0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and you are listening to one of our special bonus interview episodes. Today, I am joined by Sarah Stewart-Holland, who is a writer, a podcaster, and a mom of three young boys who lives in Paducah, Kentucky. And Sarah and I are going to talk about something today that lots of people shy away from talking about. We're going to talk about politics. So, Sarah, thanks so much for being on the show.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited. Um, I'd like to remind our listeners that everything we talk about today will be at themomhour.com, um, including links to Sarah's website and her podcast. Um, so when you're done here, head over to themomhour.com and look for this bonus uh, bonus interview episode, and you'll find everything we talk about. And Megan and I, of course, will be back with our usual conversation on Tuesday and every Tuesday, but we love doing these um, bonus interviews once a month, and I'm really excited to have Sarah on Okay. So let's get to it, Sarah. I, I want to set this up by having you tell the story of how you started your podcast, which is called Pantsuit Politics. You've been blogging and writing mostly about parenting for several years. And you guys, you and I have known each other online for several years. Um, and then something happened. So what kicked off this idea for a, a politics podcast was there, there was a blog post, right? Or something happened. Tell us the story. Well, I had had the idea
2: for a podcast since I went to Emerge training. Emerge is a national organization that trains Democratic women considering public office. And I just thought, hey, you know, Hillary's, this was a few years ago, Hillary's probably going to run. This is going to be a hot topic. So I thought of um, an idea of having a podcast about women in politics named Pantsuit Politics. I thought the name and loved it. But then I did a couple interviews and I just, an interview format show was not for me. I work best sort of with a team mm-hmm. and my co-host Beth who I've known since college we were sorority sisters had been posting occasionally on my blog and she wrote this really great piece called nuance in which she said like why do we always act um in online political debates as if you know at the time Clay- Caitlyn Jenner was a super controversial mm-hmm. topic and she's like you know I can think Caitlyn Jenner is brave without implying that I think that um, people who go through cancer aren't brave. Like, why do we act like that? It's so, you know, it's so binary. It's so opposed. It doesn't have to be like that. And she, we'd also had a back and forth about Syria in which I wrote kind of, um, antithetical to our political spectrum. I wrote calling for force and she wrote calling for a uh, sort of restraint and diplomacy. And, from those sort of blog posts, I thought, oh, I have an idea. What if Beth and I did this podcast together? It'd be really cool. She's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. And so we can have this, these nuanced conversations in which we're not insulting one another. We're not acting like one party is the answer to every problem that faces our nation. She loved it. I I tell everybody we had our first conversation just to see if we like talking politics together (laughs) and about like, An hour and a half into the phone conversation, I was like, "No, we're not. We're we're wasting content here. We're not going to talk anymore." Oh, we only talk now if it's being recorded.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Was it a little? Was it? Was there any trepidation going in with someone that you've been friends with a long time, knowing that you, you know, you identify with two different parties? Was there like any little question in the back of your mind, like maybe we're maybe this isn't going to work, or maybe we'll like hurt each other's feelings? Or
2: no, I mean, I think we were sort of in this really great situation in which we had gone to college together but we really hadn't been in contact for you know 10 years maybe okay and then we sort of reconnected on Facebook so we sort of had this perfect combination of you know past intimacy but um sort of disengagement in a way that gave us a space to talk about these things you know it's not and plus we live far apart it's not like okay. if this had gone terribly we were going to have to cross streets to avoid each other.
0: I actually didn't know that. uh, Listening to you guys, I, for some reason assumed, well, you you both have, you know, accents that I love, Southern accents. So I didn't realize that you weren't um, in the same area. Yeah. When we,
2: we, she lives in Northern Kentucky and I live in far Western Kentucky. And we recently went to a podcast convention in which Megan was there too. And I saw her and, you know, that was the first time we'd seen each other in like 13 years. Oh, awesome. Okay. We have really good we being far apart and recording remotely. We have like really good chemistry together. Yeah. I think it's because, you know, we, we through her blog post, we knew enough about where each other was presently to know, like we aligned on right. a lot of things. So I think that's part of it. Yes. And I think that, you know, I laugh because we, we were being promoted on another podcast. I didn't know about this. They, th- this was not a re- outreach. But this, um, it was a comedy podcast. I, th- I, f- I think it's called Women of the Hour, maybe. And okay. my next door neighbor who's in college told us, hey, that this podcast was talking about you guys. And I went in and listened to it. And this woman described Beth as, oh, I, I, I'm going to say a cuss word so you have to okay. click the explicit right. box. But she said... <laughs> Uh, she, you know, she's not a piece of shit, social conservative. And I was like, Beth, that is one heck of an endorsement. You're not a piece of shit. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, she's not, she doesn't hold up to a lot of stereotypes. And I like to think that I don't either about people who usually engage from either side of the political spectrum.
0: Well, I think that's why it works so well. And you've already kind of summarized it for us. But you're two women from opposite sides of the aisle who are both really knowledgeable about politics, but also open to nuance. And that word nuance, which is kind of, you know, that blog post that um, Beth wrote, which we can link to in our show notes, Um that kind of kicked it off, I think so many people just feel like that is missing. Um, so I I think it's so cool, um, how much it's grown and you guys have a really active community of listeners now, right? Social media and, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we really do. I was shocked, you know, I've
2: been blogging for so long and I told Beth, I'm like, you know, I never, even at my previous blog sort of peak traffic, um, and my current blog, you know, the the pat and I'm sure you've encountered this the passion of podcast yes. listeners is very different than the very passion different. of blog readers. And um so that I think that surprises us. Another thing that's like sort of constantly surprising us is, you know, two of our two most involved listeners are like young guys. You know, like they don't have we don't really have anything in common. One of them is coming on to be like our chief creative officer. Another one, we call him our North Star because he's sort of, you know, he's our guiding light. Like, what would Brynn think about this? And it's just so interesting. I mean, we have a lot of amazing female listeners, but it has surprised us how many men listen. And I think that part of it is, particularly with women who find our podcast and are really passionate supporters, I I really had this in mind. You know, originally I thought maybe we could be The Skim, which is this really great daily daily Uh email you get for news summaries we can be the skim for women. And I thought, well, you know, we're not going to be a news summary because people can get the news so much faster in other ways. But what I kept in mind always is I want a place that women feel safe engaging in politics, because for better or for worse, you know, as a woman who is very, you know, outwardly political, obviously, I'm running for office right now. And, I worked in politics, especially because I live in a conservative area and I'm very open about my democratic politics. What I find is, you know, women sort of search me out or, excuse me, they, especially when it's an all-female space you know, I belonged to a lot of, um, female charity organizations. Okay. And after the meetings were over there, it was like, they were sort of, women would come up to me and they'd want to talk about these things. And I wanted to find a place online where, where women felt safe engaging. And I think for better, or for worse, they feel safer engaging when it's purely female voices leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think so many women, um, are intimidated. They think it's sort of the same reasons women don't run for office, right? They're intimidated. They think there's this high barrier of knowledge or experience, or the fact that so many men, you know, stereotypically engage with such confidence Mm -hmm. that could be intimidating. And all those things, you know, I just wanted to sweep those away. And when Beth and I sit down and we're very open about where we're coming from, that we're not experts, that we're not professionals, that this is a, you know, a place for quote unquote, normal people mm-hmm. to engage. And as long as you're respectful, that's all that matters.
0: I love that. I love that. And that comes through so clearly in your show. Um, you're both really knowledgeable about the issues. I mean, I appreciate that you say you're not experts, but as someone, um, I mean, I'd put myself somewhere in the middle. I find politics very interesting. Um, and especially over the last year or two really have started to pay more attention, but I But you guys know way more than I do, especially about specific issues. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor.
1: Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long.
0: So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right?
1: I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box Listeners, our place offers a hundred-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMOUR at checkout to receive ten percent off site-wide. That's fromourourplace.com code MOMOUR.
0: So, on one of your recent episodes, you looked at welfare and welfare reform, and what you know pr- took a pretty deep dive. So, it's a really, um, like you said, a safe space, but also coming from a place of quite a bit of knowledge. You both have law degrees. You've both worked, um, in and around the sphere of politics. Um, and yet this idea of civil discourse, your tagline at the beginning, what do you say? No insults, no yelling, plenty of nuance. We say no shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, I think all our listeners agree that is what's missing. Um, before we move on from talking about the podcast, cause I have other things I want to ask you. Um, can you just talk about the, your main segments? I think it's, number one, it's very clever, but also give our listeners an idea of how you, um, how you look at a topic and how you move through the segments of your show. I love the, I think it's a more recent edition of saying something nice about the other side. Yeah. Um, and the pearls. and the, So can, just, just walk us through the structure of a show because I think for our listeners who don't identify as being political, this might really encourage them to come, come check you out, and I hope they do. Um, so go ahead. Well, I think uh, to back up just a little bit about welfare, specifically,
2: you know, one of the shows we do every once in a while, it's not regular, it's when we encounter something that we feel like needs it. We do a pantsuit primer. Okay. And I did one of those on welfare before we talked about welfare reform in the show. And I learned all kinds of things I didn't know as somebody who, you know, has spouted off opinions about welfare and then went back and researched to do the primer and found out, you know like I said, just basic things. I did not understand when people say, oh, where welfare discouraged people from working. Yeah, I did. Cause that was the purpose of the program is what I learned. Like they invented it to keep women home with their kids. And so just these little things that you, it can really shift your view on something once you learn more about it. And so we've done a pantsuit primer on our election system about welfare, Beth's planning one on, um, middle East politics. And so all these things, you know, that's one thing we do that I think is really unique in that if you jump into a political or sort of the traditional political news outlets, even podcasts, there's this assumption of knowledge. There's this assumption, um, that, you know, what we're talking about and we're all political rats here. And so, and I don't want to do that. I need, you know, I want people to feel like it's a level playing field and that we're all starting for the certain point, the same point. I think that's another reason, Box has become so popular as a news source, you know, it says okay. explain the news. And so mm-hmm. they don't, they don't do a lot of like, assuming that right. people know certain things. And I highly right. encourage that if nobody's checked that out. But as far as our show, we started out with one main show, in which we do, we kind of played off the pantsuit thing, pantsuit politics. So we did Um, In the beginning, we do The Pearls, which is sort of a quick rundown of any new news stories we want to talk about. And during that segment, we compliment the other side. So I try to compliment a Republican, and Beth compliments a Democrat. And it's just a good reminder that we're all humans here. We're all on the same side. There's no need to paint people as two-dimensional characters. Like, there's plenty of real people here. So we do that then in... Um, the suit, the main portion of the show, we try to cover one topic. So be that welfare reform, or it can be, you know, a news top, a a recent news event that we really want to sort of talk about in more detail. Right. And then at the end we do the heels and that's just something fun that we want to talk about that doesn't have anything to do with politics, (laughs) (laughs) including personality tests. I love it. I know you guys did a recent story on. It's too fun. Um, And then, What we found is when we started the show and we got featured pretty quickly on iTunes new and noteworthy and gained a huge audience, really honestly, before we were probably ready for it. And we were people like, can you do a show every day? And we were like, oh no, we can't. But we did add the briefcase, which is a show on Friday that we do, which is honestly a lot of this, the content for the um, briefcase comes from our amazing community. You know, people write us these long emails, we get a ton of messages every day and actually, what we've started doing beyond even the briefcase is now the blog for our show website pantsuppoliticsshow.com, features blogs and e- the emails and all these things our listeners write too, so that we can feature those in sort of more uh, predominant way. So in the briefcase, we sort of cover the listener feedback and any news that we want to talk about before uh, kind of going into the weekend.
0: It's such um, it's such an uplifting. Thing to know that not only have you guys been successful and it's been caught on, but your listeners who are now contributing through letters and blog posts are embracing the same idea. So it's like in the same way that negativity can spiral and just feed on itself, it's, I mean, to me, it's a really happy story.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, um, and we have, we have people that say, you know, I wouldn't have thought about this. I mean, the, the, my favorite parts are when people... We'll say, like, we had a lot of people saying, I'm really, Democrats predominantly, I'm really rooting for the Republican Party to, like, figure out what's going on right now. We need a loyal opposition. Like, I never found myself, I think in particular because Beth, who is not a Donald Trump supporter, has been very open and vulnerable and sort of just sort of despondent about the (laughs) track her party is taking. Excuse me. And so you know, I think they're invested in her, and they it's sort of how I felt when we went we went to both political conventions, yes, and I was just you know I'm a former Hillary Clinton staffer, I love her, and so this experience for me was just i mean i was she accepted the nomination on my birthday like, <laughs> it was a big deal, I was in tears, I was emotional, like all four days we were there, just overwhelmed by sort of the pride of my country and it was such a great experience. And she was like, you know, I don't need all that emotion. I'm like, yeah, but everybody deserves to feel this way. And I think that's how people feel with her. Like even someone who in their entire life has never felt like, you know, identified as a conservative feel like, okay, but I realize now like the voices like Beth's conservative voices are so important. Yeah, And if they're getting lost in all the hoopla, like they're really sad about that. So I think that's been really great too.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And one thing I love listening to you guys is that while we're talking about nuance and decency and civility and conversation, uh, let's just put it out there that neither of you are shy or hold back when it comes to the, the, the politics and the people that you're passionate about. So sometimes, and again, I think sometimes it comes down to women, um, in order to be kind, to be decent, to be civil, somehow that gets mixed up in watering down your opinions or not expressing an opinion strongly enough. So, um, if our listeners haven't picked up already on this, I mean, you are about as passionate a Hillary Clinton supporter as there is. And Beth, um, (laughs) And Beth, I know I just listened recently to a very thoughtful discussion on her considering um, voting for Gary Johnson, possibly as a third party candidate, and when and why and how she might reevaluate that decision. And, you know, her very plain opinions on Donald Trump. So when we're talking about nuance, we're not talking about holding back on specificity. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what, you know, we push really hard against this. Now, first of all, we're not professional
2: journalists. So, you know, we don't have to hold ourselves to this idea of neutrality. But I think that truly that um, is the wrong approach. I think so often um, neutrality means well we have to cover both sides equally. Well, but sometimes the other (laughs) side deserves more play or, you know, like this idea, well, if we say Donald Trump got something wrong, we have to be fair and find something Hillary Clinton said wrong or vice versa. No, that's not what neutrality means. And I think what works better, especially in this day and age of sort of um where people can select their news sources and you really worry about people being in this echo chamber of the same voices. Right. Instead of neutrality, what we strive for is transparency. I'm not neutral. Right. I'm not gonna claim <laughs> to be neutral. You know, like now I can be thoughtful and I can be nuanced, but you know, transparency and just being up front with people. That's why we start every show with this is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. Like yep. let's just be off let's just yes. be honest and not now, what we try not to do is in our in our striving for transparency, we don't just um, sort of repeat the party line. Right. Again, because we're not professional pundits. We're not right. professional journalists. We don't have to do that. Nobody owes us. We don't owe anybody anything. Right. So I can say, man, I really wish Hillary Clinton had apologized for those emails. I don't know, from day one. Or I can say, you know, as a Democrat, like, Bernie Sanders is driving me crazy. You know, just
0: stuff like that. I think that
2: transparency lends itself to conversation much more than neutrality does. And it
0: humanizes both you guys as podcast hosts, but also almost gives listeners permission to start to think about where, you know, what they think and where they might differ from their chosen party line. So I think it's a really, it's a really great thing you guys are doing. I want to move on a little bit and I want to talk about, I want to talk about Facebook And being political or opinionated on Facebook, because Sarah, (laughs) I've been Facebook friends with you for I think five, almost five years, probably. Since we, um, our listeners know that I met Megan through a writing class she taught online, and Sarah was in that class with me. And oh, the the original class, yeah, so special. I know. Um, And so I just have watched you engage on. Facebook in all mm-hmm. kinds of debates. And this goes back to your blog too, when you've written about parenting topics and you are not shy about wading into tricky topics and controversy, controversy, and you're not shy about being opinionated. And I guess my question to you, because I am very different. Um, so I like to kind of sit back and watch and I think I, unless it's controversial topics
2: on pumpkin lattes,
0: Yeah, yes, which it will follow me till the till til I don't know what happens, that post will follow <laughs> me. Yeah. I guess the weather, 115 degrees in September can make me uh, angry enough to get opinionated. No, but I, I, um, I think I feel the way a lot of people and a lot of women feel, which is sometimes it's just not worth it to get into, especially an online debate. And I've watched you do it really constructively. And I guess what I'm curious about behind the scenes is have you kind of evolved how you take on, let's say it's in the, let's say it's in the comments section of a thread on something either that you wrote or someone else wrote has, as you've gotten a higher profile and a bigger platform, has that changed for you? Or is it always just been Sarah stating what she thinks?
2: I mean, absolutely. You would not have wanted to get in a political debate with me and say high school or college. I was pretty (laughs) obnoxious. Um, my friends can back me up. Hell, Beth can probably back me up on that. But, um, I think that as I've grown older, my ability to admit when I'm wrong Uh and be vulnerable with people has increased as has my, um, sort of passion and confidence in the, in the, in my belief that these conversations are incredibly important. Mm -hmm. If we can't talk about, sort of the most important things in our lives with people we love or people that are just our friends or Facebook acquaintances, then I just worry I you know the reason we started this podcast, the reason I'm running for office in a conservative area is because I think we are too polarized mm-hmm. and we live in echo chambers in which everyone agrees with us or we create these echo chambers and I think it's really dangerous. And not only to our political discourse, but to us as individuals. You know, I am a very gray person. I don't believe the world is black and white. I believe that there is nuance and um, sort of duality or non-duality to be found everywhere. And I think that my belief in that, you know, I had, i engaged with somebody the other. I think I posted something about Kanye
0: and Taylor Swift, which <laughs> Lord help yeah, us. If you're you you're not, you're not afraid to go. Anywhere, yeah. it's not just politics. Donald
2: Trump and Hillary Clinton. Kanye West will set people off so quick, and <laughs> I am a Kanye fan. I like Kanye. I think you know because I'm a pushing. You know, there's a there's a enneagram that's like it's not my enneagram, although it has to be related somewhere. Where they say you stay, you're against, mm-hmm. and that's how I am. Mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm I'm a pusher. Why do yeah. you feel like that? Why do we have to think that way? Yeah. Why have we all decided that Kanye West is the devil? Is he? You know, or was yeah. he just? Okay, is he occasionally rude and has a big ego? Is there something wrong with that? Does it bother us that he has a big ego because he's black? Like, all these things. Like, I'm just a questioner. That's right. just who I am. And when I but so I post post something about it, my friend goes, "You know, I've realized." She's <laughs> like, "I've realized that you." you say something people assume you're taking a black and white stance. And then you say, no, I like Taylor Swift too. Yeah. I like some of her music. I think she's gotten boring, but like, she's like, so you always find the gray and that's where people sort of walk in. And so I think because I'm willing to say, Oh yeah, I I see that point. This is my answer. Like I I call it, I also engage in what I call kindness shaming on Facebook. (laughs) Like I am, you will never see me insult or grow angry you know, if somebody accuses me of being sort of rude or dismissive, I will immediately apologize. I don't have any trouble apologizing. Right. Because I think that disarms people so quickly and then you they'll actually listen to what you're saying. Right. But, you know, I'm also engaging from a true, a honest and sincere interest in that person and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, even if you are, you know, even my father, <clears throat> my biological father, is a huge Donald Trump supporter, you know, and we have these conversations <coughs> Excuse me. and, you know, I, people will find them on Facebook and be like, what is happening? How are you having these conversations? <laughs> but, you know, I, it's not just that I want my dad to hear what I say. I want to understand why someone would support Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I want to understand sincerely, where is this coming from? What are you concerned about? And you know what I've learned a lot of times with my dad, and I think this is goes back to the echo chamber thing, is like, you know, if you sat down with my dad and then you sat down with me, you would think we live in different countries. Mm-hmm. You would think we live in completely different places, which arguably we do because he lives in California and I live in Kentucky and they're pretty different places. But you know what I mean? Like, so that's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to be a 60-year-old man in California right. struggling with, You know, the changing economy. I don't know that. I don't know what that's like. You know, that's what I learned recently with welfare is like, you know, I had all these opinions on welfare based really on a position of privilege because I don't interact with people from very low incomes that, you know, people who either are in low income areas, interact with people in low income areas, see people exploiting the system. And because of my privilege, I don't really have those experiences. And so, You know, I was forming all these opinions based on my very limited worldview and my limited experience. And so, what I'm always trying to do is listen to everybody's experiences so my own opinions are, you know, more fully informed. And just so I understand, you know, I met Bill Clinton many, many years ago at a book signing, and I asked him, I said, What's your number one advice for somebody considering public office? And he said, Meet as many different people as you can. Mm -hmm. Meet as many different people as you can because. They're going to want to paint you as a two dimensional character right. and the people you meet and the more different levels you can relate to get to people, the more you'll be seen as a third dimensional, three dimensional person and not a two dimensional character. And I think, you know, I, first of all, if time passes so quickly, it doesn't feel that long ago, but it really was. Yeah. And I think about like, that was really instrumental in my life. I yeah. really internalized that message fully. And also, you know, again, not to harp on the personality things, but <laughs> my strength finders is I'm an input. I just like it. I yeah. like it being out there. I'm I'm knocking on doors right now for my campaign and I put it off for so long and I don't know why, because I really enjoy it. I really enjoy meeting new people and listening to where they're coming from and trying to, you know, make sense of their worldview and how it interacts with my worldview. I just, uh, I love it. And I think if you can go into any Facebook interaction don't go in thinking, well, I'm just going to share this one link and they're going to open up the (laughs) crack open and they're going to agree with me because it's so tempting to think like that. But you know, I love the Alice Walker quote, The um, not Alice Walker, excuse me, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, uh, God never made anything that was the same t- thing to more than one person. I probably put right. that quote a little bit, but, you know, you're, what you're really just trying to do is listen and understand and hope they listen and understand to you. It's really not about trying to change anybody's mind.
0: No, and it's. I, I think the way you've just articulated it so well, it can be worth it. I think what a lot of people find is it's not worth it to get into this debate. It's not worth it to potentially piss off my friends or be, you know, be misconstrued. And I think you've just made a really good argument for why it can be worth it. It reminded me, I don't know if you listen to the NPR Politics podcast, but um, Sam Sanders is one of my favorites. And he, on one of their recent episodes, he talked about as a new, as being new to covering politics um, and kind of being intimidated he's tried to focus in every conversation he's had on what's the what's the underlying feeling or emotion of this person. And he gave such a powerful, um, I'll have to look it up and link to it because I've wanted to go back and listen. But he said, what I realized is I may never, ever agree with this person and they may never agree with the person down the street from them. He said, but the feeling that they're feeling, which may be fear, it may be despair, it may be hope, it may be excitement. I've had that feeling before. And he said, so I always try to, to remember that what they're feeling is a universal feeling. And we've all had that feeling. And I thought that was so powerful. It just reminded me a little bit of what you're saying is we don't, it is impossible to see things exactly the way someone else sees them, but we can maybe try to understand what the feeling behind it.
2: Well, and that's, you know, Brene Brown says the same thing about empathy. Empathy is not, you know, if I've lost a child, Empathy is not you coming to me and saying, I've lost a child. I can only speak to you out of empathy because I know exactly what you're going through. Empathy is, I haven't had your experience, but I have felt that feeling yeah. and I'm willing to stand with you in that feeling and witness it and say, I hear you. I see what you're feeling. And I think, you know, politics, just like sports or anything else, <laughs> it's just, it's a way in which we talk about human connection and what we're striving for and what we want for our kids. It's no different. Yep
1: The deal not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
2: And, you know, I think that so often it's fun, you know, as I go and knock on doors,
1: especially because
2: I'm a politician asking for votes, people you can see so many people are like, oh, yes, somebody I can talk politics with and it's OK. Like <laughs> They will corner me like or chase me down. I had somebody a handyman. I wasn't even knocking on his door. He like chased me down in the street like, well, let me ask you who you're voting for for president. I'm like, oh, yeah, I cannot wait to get to this with you. But like, <laughs> you know, and I just said over and over to him, he was like, Hillary Clinton is evil and we have to vote for Donald Trump because he will unite us. And I just kept saying like. I don't believe that, but that's okay. There's room for all of us here. There's room for every, you know, if I am a progressive who believes in inclusion, that includes other opinions than mine, you know? Absolutely. Like,
0: it's Absolutely. It's not just other
2: races and genders or gender experiences, it's also other opinions. And yes. that's fine, you know? And I live in a place that a lot of people have very different opinions than mine. And sort of when you're just open and honest and sincere and also funny, like, don't take it so seriously. Yeah it really helps.
0: Yeah. No, I, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm curious, I want to move on a little bit. I'm curious if you have advice or stories about when, for, for people who want to become more informed about local government, about national politics, about the news in general, even non, you know, not, not specific to campaigns or elections. Um, do you have, do you have ways to get good information. I know you and Beth, one from the left, one from the right, you each have your favorite websites and how you stay up on things. But for people who feel maybe intimidated by a lack of knowledge, and we touched on that earlier, um, do you have favorite news sources or do you have ways of getting news that to you feel like they've really enriched? Because obviously, we know what the 24-hour cable news cycle is like. And I think for some people, They just want to shut it off. And instead I would love some ideas on ways to get quality news or to take news in context. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: Well, I do not listen to, I do not have cable and I do not watch 24 hour news ever, ever. Like it's just, even when I had cable, I didn't watch it. Even when I worked in Congress and it was my job, I had a little TV at my desk that we were supposed to watch. I did not watch it. It's just not, you know, it's, diametrically opposed to everything i believe in as far as everything i just said about right nuance yeah. and you know on the same team and acknowledging we're in this together like i just i can't do it i don't watch it now beth does but <clears throat> i can't so where i get my news i just i mentioned previously to skim okay i really like that it's an email subscription that um i really enjoy where you get it every weekday you know you can read it in two minutes you feel like you know what's going on they link to stuff so you can go to other sites and learn more about it there's also a really good and i'll have to look it up and you can put it in the show notes yeah i really love this guy who he summarizes the entire new york times oh so it'll be like a sentence the best pull quote from that piece sentence best quote from that piece um and it's he sends it out on sundays i think I really love that. I found all kinds of amazing things from that email. So I like emails. That works well for me. So every morning when I wake up, I read the skim. I read my local paper online, which takes me like two minutes because it's like three local stories and everything else is AP. And then I'll check the New York Times if I want to, if I have some more time to just read. I listen to NPR in the car. Um, Obviously you should all listen to Pantsu Politics. It's a great way to stay informed. So, you know, I get a lot of and I, I listen to other political podcasts. I'm also a huge fan of Vox, as I previously mentioned. Mm-hmm. And how I get Vox is I follow Vox and Ezra Klein, its founder, on Facebook, so they just show up in my feed a lot, right. basically. Right. Yep. Um, and I also, you know, I'll read Twitter moments to see if there's anything I want to, if there's anything going on, if I have some spare time. But you know, I get a lot of it through social media, email, and podcasting. I don't, I don't, for the most part, really read or engage in traditional ways with the news.
0: Okay. No, I like that. And I do like the idea of opting into emails for some kind of more dedicated reading because I think sometimes you can see headlines pass through your feed and feel like you're informed. My husband will often say at the end of the day, it's funny because he's on social media, but he follows a lot of politics and baseball and I follow a lot of parenting and family life and we sometimes (laughs) overlap at politics. And so we'll be like, hey, did you hear this today? Did you hear this today? And um, often I realize that what I am telling myself is being informed is really just the headlines passing by. So I know for me, um, something like the skim or an email, something I've opted into email wise that, that I really do actually read once a day, um, would be probably a boost in how informed I really am. But I like those. Yeah, I like those. it's great. It's really, and I
2: really love that. Um, <clears throat> oh, I found it. Okay, I looked it up. Matt Thomas is the okay. guy who does okay, it. Matt Thomas, and he summarized the New York Times Digest.
0: Okay, it's really great. Highly recommend it. Okay, I like that. Great, great tip. Um, well, let's talk. You've mentioned a few times about your campaign right now, and I really don't know the backstory on this other than just kind of knowing you online. So, um, this has this been a dream for a long time? Tell us what you're running for, and how it's going, and how it all got started.
2: I am running for. Um, Paducah City Commission. I would think about it a second there. You think I wouldn't since I've knocked up like 700 doors in the last four <laughs> days. <clears throat> I, after I completed the Emerge training, I spoke about previously, you know, I thought about what I'd want to run for and... Paducah is my passion. It's my hometown. I love this town so much. Um, I want to see it thrive. It's having a really great moment right now. If anybody out there is tired of the rat race in the big city, we have a growing population of 25 to 34. So move to Paducah and you can have a nice cheap house and great public schools. Just a little <laughs> plug there.
0: Um,
2: so, yeah, I ran... You know, basically because I love this town and I've always wanted to run for office and I can't imagine a town I'd rather serve more than my hometown of Paducah where I'm raising my family. And what really happened is one of my dear friends was on the city commission and I took her out for lunch and I said, well, I want to start running, but I don't want to run against you. And she was like, funny story, I'm not running again. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so always ask, always take that lunch break. You never know what's going to happen. So when she decided not to run again and we had an open seat on the commission, I thought, okay, this is my chance. So I ran. There was a primary, and Paducah, the city commission, is a nonpartisan race. Okay. Um, and it's, it's at large, so we don't have districts within the city. It's just everybody's representing the entire city, which I really like.
0: Okay.
2: We have four city commissioners. So in the primary, we had 12 candidates, and okay. we narrowed it down to eight. Okay. And now we're going to take that eight and narrow it down to four. So I- in the primary, I was fifth. So I need to move up one space to make it basically.
0: And what, um, tell us what the city commission does like for a complete newbie. Is this a pretty typical for a town, the size of Paducah? Like what, what kind of things do they do?
2: Well, you know, they do a lot of the, how I describe our city commission, because we have a city manager is okay. we it's, we're basically like the board of directors. Okay. And the mayor's sort of like the board chairman, and the city director's like the CEO. Okay. So we sort of have the vision for the city. We direct a lot of the major spending, but we're not running the city day to day. Right. That's what the city manager and the department heads do. But we make decisions about, okay, like, well, what neighborhood do we think needs to be revitalized next? Or what can we do to promote business in downtown? Or, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff with... Hiring um, city department chairs and the city manager, and making sure that we have the proper leadership in place, so that Paducah can thrive and do well.
0: Okay, no, I love that. That's really, really awesome. And we are recording this actually at the very end of August, but this will, this show will air much closer to election day, probably just a few short weeks before election day. So, talk about what the next several weeks, and especially the, you know, the. Last few weeks before election day will look like for you running for local office?
2: Well, it's going to look like a lot of door knocking. That's what every, you know, that's sort of the old fashioned way. You knock on doors and you ask for votes. Now, I'm doing it in a digital age. So I have an app on my phone that tells me where the likely voters live, and those are the doors I knock on. So I'm not knocking on every single door in Paducah, but I have to hit about 5,000 doors. It breaks down to about 123 doors every weekday. So that is what I'm doing right now. Um,
0: 123 doors a day?
2: A day. a lot
0: of doors, Sarah.
2: It's a lot of doors. Yeah, like the other day I did a neighborhood that um, was a lot of apartment complexes. It was great. They're real close. But, you know, sometimes they spread out. I've been able to do it, you know, yesterday – I hit 108 doors over in a, a little bit you know like sort of a downtownish neighborhood. The houses are pretty close together, and I hit 108, and I think I did it in about three hours.
0: Yeah, that. And if nobody answers, do you have a, a you leave a little yeah, door I, hanger?
2: I leave a little door hanger, or somebody you know. Some people will answer, and they'll want to talk for half an hour, and some people will say, you know, it's so funny. I think it's equally interesting whether someone will say, "Sure, I'll vote for you," just like because I knocked on their door. I also think it's interesting when people will be like, well, I'll look into it. Cause I kind of want to be like, "Will you really, yeah. cause we're all pretty busy. You really going to go read on my way? I mean, I hope you do. I think that's great. But I think it's like either answer, I think it's kind of interesting in its own psychological way, but um, people are so kind and wonderful and have been really nice. I've only had one lady sort of refuse to answer, <laughs> open the door. What she saw I was there, but it's, um, it's a great fun experience and I've, so it's going to be a lot of door knocking. I'm not doing a lot of traditional media, so I've got a lot of Facebook advertisement,
0: uh-huh.
2: um, a lot of mail going to people's houses. So I'll need to fundraise um, to, add, to, make, to raise money for that. And then hopefully November 8th we'll have good news after all the doors I knocked on.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to. Um, we'll definitely keep our our listeners informed. It's really fun. I know at one point I saw you make a Leslie Nope comparison on Facebook somewhere, which is <laughs> for fans of Parks and Recreation. Just one oh, yes. of my favorite. Well, I aspire. Shows all time. I aspire
2: to Leslie Nopes at level of dedication.
0: <laughs> it's so great. Well, and you know, we haven't really talked about your three sweet little boys, but this is all being done um in and among your part-time work, your blogging, your writing, your podcasting, and your raising of three very young men, future uh future members of the electorate. So how <laughs> how how's it working doing all this and having you've got two in school do you want to talk about your family a little bit
2: yes I have a seven-year-old second grader named Griffin I have a five-year-old kindergartner named Amos and I have an 18-month-old baby named Felix Um, one of the perks of living in a small town like Paducah is we have a plethora of amazing we call it mommy's day out here Mm -hmm. part-time um, daycare at churches. So Felix gets to just, you know, go hang out from like nine to two at a church with some of his little baby pals, super affordable. And it, it frees up a lot of time for me to work with my social media clients, do the podcast and knock on all these doors. So that's really nice. It's like, uh, you know, having two in school is yeah. so amazing when all three go to school. I don't even know
0: what I'm going to do with myself. Is it, is it uh, full-time kindergarten where you are? It is. Yeah, it around is. around here, it's like people are just almost to that point, And then we have half-day kindergarten in public school. So it's like, oh, I'm almost oh, that's there. Brutal. But yeah. That's brutal. So and we have, you know, I have a they, the bus stops right in front of my
2: house. So my husband takes them in the morning. They come home at 3.30. I don't have to do pickup or drop off or any of that, which is really, really nice. And if it wasn't so hot, Felix has gone knocking on doors with me I really like taking him with me because people are super nice to you (laughs) when you have a baby with you but it's like 90 degrees so he's really not interested right now when it cools down I'm sure he'll be knocking on a lot of doors with me um but um I love parenting I think that it's you know becoming a mom really crystallized a lot of things about you know it's why I moved back to Paducah it's why I do the work that I do it's sort of you know my kids made me the better version of myself, I think.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree and I think even more important to enter into some of these conversations even when they're uncomfortable or out of our comfort zone because the kids are watching and they're listening. I'm curious what your older what your older two boys think about you running for office. I'm sure I'm sure Griffin at least gets it and I'm sure they're oh, yeah. on
2: board. They they really like it. They're really into it, you know. And I am in the same way I unapologetically discuss politics with people on Facebook, I also unapologetically discuss politics with my kids, especially my seven-year-old. If he asks, what are you talking about? I tell him. Yep. You know, we talk about conflicts in the world. We talk about, and especially because, you know, he'll come home. One time we had a conversation about abortion because somebody brought it up on the school bus. Not even like, it was like the church bus. It wasn't even (laughs) public school. So, I mean, I feel like, it's sort of the same approach with this. I, I am transparent with my kids and it's not that I don't sort of adjust it for age appropriate level of vocabulary and right. subject matter as much as I can, but I always think that it's, you know, it, it first gives them the correct impression that I do trust him and that mm-hmm. I do care what he thinks. And, you know, I do think that he's smart and thoughtful and is capable of discussing these things and that his opinion matters to me. And also, I think it shows him from an early age that engaging with these things are important. I mean, I have no doubt that part of the reason that I'm passionate about politics is because my stepfather engaged with me mm-hmm. and my grandfather engaged with me about politics from a very young age. Mm-hmm. I remember talking about JFK with my grandfather when I was in elementary school. Um, so I think that that they, you know, sort of unapologetically talked about it with me. And so mm-hmm. I do the same thing with my kids.
0: Yep. No, I, I agree. And I think. Um, I have a third grader, so a year older than Griffin, but I think one of the nice things is that they are pre baggage for the most part. So where we tend to shy away, like we talked about, and especially women shy away from going into these conversations, they don't, and they don't, they don't carry a lot of the, you know, worry about pissing people off or, you know, how they're going to come across. So they're actually really open to learning and discussing my now third grader had a really awesome second grade teacher last year who just walked them all through the primary process and they were so into it and you know when the when the worksheet or the little graphs they were filling out about primary elections were coming home I was like oh my gosh they're going there in class and then I thought of course they're going there the kids are yeah. they're, they they why not they're ready to learn about this stuff but again with some of our own baggage i think that keeps that like don't want to discuss politics too much or whatever. So I yeah. love it. It's so you know it's
2: so and unnecessary and I think that they're gonna do it anyway. Yes, like there is not a kid in Griffin school who doesn't know who Trump and Hillary are. <laughs> like they get it. They hear these names, they know and so they can we can either teach them that this is how you talk about this respectfully with someone that disagrees with you mm-hmm. or they're gonna go and harass each other, you yep. know like they're gonna fill in the blanks whether you know we can fill them in or they're gonna fill them yep. in.
0: I totally agree. Well, Sarah, let's tell everybody, um, kind of go down where to find you because you are a fun person to follow on social media and you are, (laughs) you're a prolific, I will say you are prolific. I've always admired that about you. So you're blogging, you're writing, you're posting, you're discussing, um, and whether our listeners feel politically engaged or not, I just would encourage everybody to listen to Pantsuit Politics, at least to check it out because, um, it is really, really uplifting, like I said, to, um, To know that these kinds of conversations are happening it's so easy to assume that we're just kind of stuck in a very dualistic two-party extremist place and Mm -hmm. we're not because the the conversation is happening on pantsuit politics so remind everybody where where you'd have them go first to check you out and then I will link to everything and probably more in our show notes.
2: Well, Pantsu Politics is on Facebook, so you can like us on Facebook at Pansu Politics. We're on Twitter at Pansu Politic because of Twitter and their stupid character limits. <laughs> um, you can also follow my blog on Facebook, Bluegrass Redhead, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Bluegrass Red. Okay. I'm on Pinterest, all the things. Um, my blog is BluegrassRedhead.com, and like I said, our show website is show.com. I'm Sarah Stewart Holland on Facebook. Feel free to send me a friend request. I'm freewheeling with the friend yes. acceptance. <laughs> All the other people are like super greedy about that. That's not me. I'm, I will, if you ask, I'll friend you. Um, and I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, just the uh, Instagram, Facebook, I yeah. have a very active
0: brain. So social media has always provided a
2: great outlet for this. Yeah. And
0: I think <laughs> as, as listeners heard today, you're, you're very Fun to follow because you are having these conversations, and I think it's inspiring. So, well,
2: and on um, pansy Politics has an email newsletter, so you can you can okay. just get the emails every time there's a new website or okay. a new episode. And Bluegrass Redhead, I have a weekly email where I share sort of what I learned this week. Oh yeah, I'm glad
0: you brought that up because that's one of my favorite things to read of yours is the weekly email. So, oh thank I'll definitely you. Yeah, I just try to share like. To that
2: oh, I got this wrong, or this podcast was amazing, or this is my new blog post or whatever. So you yep. can subscribe there too.
0: Yep. No, we'll link to all of that at the momhour.com. And Sarah, thanks so much for being here. Best of luck in your election campaign. And thank you. Thanks for having me. Don't stop talking about this stuff. Oh, I won't. Don't worry. I couldn't if I wanted to. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks.
1: That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.